Heisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Well, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on the Afternoon Buzz today on this Wednesday. Hello, Dan. Hello, Buzz. How goes it? it How was your Tuesday? My Tuesday. Did you go to the farmer's market? I didn't. I was too busy with uh, doing uh, lawyer stuff. You know what, Buzz? That, there's no excuse. Is that true? I should have said to my clients, I'm sorry, I have to go to the farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> Before work, you must walk through the farmer's market. Right? I do enjoy it immensely when I go to the farmer's there market. There you go. So there we go. So um, tomorrow at 4 o'clock, the president of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare uh, be on the air, Max Richmond. He has some really important news for us, for anybody who pays taxes, anyone who has uh, Medicare um, uh, taxes taken out of their uh, uh, paycheck. Um that is, we have heard a lot about the prescription drug costs that uh, pharma has uh, somehow managed to keep us from being able to negotiate the price um, with pharma of what Medicare pays for drugs um, or to threaten to go to Canada if they don't come up with a reasonable price. Well, it seems like the House has just uh, passed the Elijah Cummings uh, Lower Drug Costs Now Act, which is HR3. Um, and that could save up to uh, about $500 billion, almost a half trillion dollars over the next 10 years for Medicare alone. Um, so that's going to be an important conversation you might want to join us for tomorrow. Um, on Thursday, um, Tom Riccardi will be discussing raptors and raptor rehabilitation here in the studio on Friday uh, we'll be talking bees, the crisis about pollination for bees and beekeeping. Um, Don Conlon from Warm Color Apiaries will be here. And Heidi Norton-Smith from the Northampton Survival Center will be talking about food security, insecurity, and security. Um, so those are all interesting. Those will all be um, here on the afternoon buzz. Today we have a really, I was just um, really uh, interested in uh, our next guest's work. Our next guest is Assistant Professor Carrie Nobles of the University of Massachusetts. Hello, Carrie. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm sorry about the technical glitch we had before, um, but uh, we did, and here we are. So apparently, let me just lead off with a sub-headline here. There has been a $435,000 grant from the National Institute for Health, um, the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, enabling you um, in the School of Public Health and Health Sciences at UMass to advance um, the body of knowledge um, involving the relationship between environmental factors and male infertility. Did I get that right? You did get that right. <laughs> so tell us about your work. Tell us about the grant. And tell us about what you're seeking to do. Great, yeah, so for this grant, so we're interested in looking at the impact of what we call ambient environmental factors. Those, so things like exposure to ambient air pollution and also high and low ambient temperatures and how that relates to male fertility. Um, and we're specifically doing this in the context of couples who are seeking assisted reproduction. Um, so we've seen, as we talked about a little bit before we went on air, over the last several decades, we've seen a marked decrease um, in sperm quality for men. So things that could have really important implications for whether or not couples are able to get pregnant when they want to. Um, and it's been speculated that there might be a slew of different factors that could contribute to this, um, but a particular concern that this might in part be due to an increase in exposure to um, different environmental chemicals and environmental factors. Um, and so for this grant, so we're planning to look at the relationship between air pollution exposure and also thinking about high and low ambient temperature in relation to semen quality outcomes, but also epigenetic changes in sperm. So changes in how those sperm, the genes are actually expressed in those sperm. And then subsequently, whether or not those factors impact whether or not couples are able to get pregnant in the context of assisted reproduction. Okay, I think we should circle back a little bit. Um, so for those of us that aren't scientists, um, so that we can understand. First of all, could you distinguish what is semen and what is sperm for people? Yeah, so sperm um, are a component of semen. 
So sperm are actually, um, so what are responsible for fertilization. Um, and so when semen, we talk about um, what, um, something that contains so both sperm, but also a lot of other factors too that are important in allowing sperm to actually be able to fertilize an egg. And so when you're talking about sperm quality, you're really talking about those those little babies that are going to actually cause fertilization, the quality we of are. sperm. So is it the actual yes. quality of each spermatozoa, or is it the, um, the overall count, which we've many of us have heard about? Yeah, so there's a lot of different factors we can look at in relation to semen quality, but we're concerned with three main factors. So one is sperm count or concentration, so how many sperm there actually are. We're also concerned with something called motility. So that's the proportion of sperm that are actually able to move forward and potentially find and fertilize an egg. Um, and the third thing we're interested in looking at is what's called morphology. So that's essentially looking at the shape of the sperm. So is a head normal? Is Does a tail look normal? So is a sperm, does it have the correct shape um, and function where it's actually going to be able to fertilize an egg. So what kind of data are you going to use? Well, again, I'm going to backtrack. This is a three-year study that's being funded by this grant. Is that right? It is. So for the next three years, you're going to be using these grant funds to, uh, to do what? How are you going to examine this question? Yeah, that's a great question. So for this study, so we're actually, we're leveraging a um, an existing study that was recently completed. Um, so this study is called the Folic Acid and Zinc Supplementation Trial, or the FAST trial. Um, so this was actually completed within, um, at, at the National Institutes of Health. Um, and the study enrolled, it's more than 2,300 uh, 2, men who are part of couples who are seeking infertility treatment. Um, and the main goal of that study um, was to look at whether or not antioxidant supplementation improves men, men's fertilities as well as whether or not couples are able to get pregnant in the context of assisted reproduction. Um, so for this study, so we're going to be adding new measures of ambient air pollution exposure and, and ambient temperature exposure. What does ambient um, mean in this context? So we're talking about outdoor. Okay. So air pollution outdoors and uh, temperatures outdoors and what impact that has on our um, on our sperm development, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I'm going to be coordinating um, with a colleague at the University of Maryland, um, Tim Canty, who is going to be modeling the air pollution estimates for the regions that we're going to be doing the study in. And then we're going to be go going and taking um, information on where participants actually live. And we're going to use that to try to get a relatively precise estimate of what air pollution levels they were exposed to on a given day when they were in the study, um, as well as their regional ambient temperature exposures. So these 2,300 men that, you're, uh, that were part of this folic acid and zinc supplementation trial study, the data for which is going to be used for your study, um, those men all have fertility issues. Their sperm is, oh. it can't create, it can't fertilize an egg. Is that right? Um, not all of them. So the, the only inclusion criteria they needed to meet was actually seeking treatment as a couple. Um, so we're expecting, it's estimated that about 50% um, of cases of infertility, um, the male partner actually contributes to that. So we're expecting for some proportion of the men in the study, we will see marked differences in semen quality that might relate to infertility. But for a lot of the men in the study as well, it might be more the female partner or it could be an unknown cause of infertility where their semen parameters and other outcomes might look more normal. So is the hope, uh, forgive me if I sound naive, but this is way over my league, uh, over my uh, pay grade. It is the hope that people who, let's say today, are going in for in vitro fertilization treatment, which is very expensive and time consuming mm -hmm. and emotionally um, exhausting um, and sometimes heartbreaking, um, uh, that they might not, it, it, the results of your study might lower the percentage of people who have to go to the IVF route. Is that where our hope is? 
I think, yeah, that's definitely, that's, I think, exactly right. I think that's one of the important implications of this type of research. So is understanding what are those most important risk factors that might change the probability that a couple might be able to get pregnant. For example, like you said, through something that's very costly and has a lot of side effects like in vitro fertilization. So if we know, for example, um, you know, if we have a, a, a time period, we have very high exposure to air pollution. Or if, for example, we're looking at excessively warm temperatures, there's been suggestions that that could lead to decrements in semen quality, which could affect the probability of pregnancy. So if we have the warmest months in the summer, that we might see this decrease in ability um, and decrease in semen quality and whether or not couples get pregnant, the timing of IVF could take that into account. That, uh, very, this is Dan. That's a very interesting. Uh, is the study only talking about temperatures, or are you also looking at other factors of, of the um, of the males? Pollution, pollution, food quality, exercise, all of the stress. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So for the study, so we're focusing for our exposure specifically so on air pollution um, and ambient temperatures. Um, but we do have a lot of other factors that we can think about um, when we try to figure out those relationships. So there is information on stress. There is some information on diet. Um, and these, like in epidemiology, we often talk about like confounding factors, right? So things that can distort whether or not we're actually able to see relationships um, or could lead to different differences and whether or not, you know, how strong the associations actually are. Um, so we do have opportunities to think about, well, how do these factors contribute to whether or not air pollution or, say, excessively hot or cold temperatures might impact these important outcomes for men's fertility? And, and is it is it wrong to assume that warm temperatures are probably detrimental and cold temperatures are healthier to, to the sperm count? Yeah, so I think that's one of the inherent difficulties of looking at temperatures. So there hasn't been a lot of work in this area, but the studies that have looked at this um, often see so that both extremes are not good. So warmer temperatures that seem to be related to lower semen quality. Um, in sperm production, it's very temperature dependent. So that's that's not surprising. But also seeing that excessively cold temperature exposure to that as well seems to be related to lower semen quality. So we see kind of both ends of that spectrum potentially being harmful. And and this is now getting a really personal question here, but what about underwear and men and how that affects temperature? Is that something that's studied as well? Yeah, this is less my area of research, um, but there have <laughs> been studies looking at like type of underwear that are worn and how that relates to like scrotal temperature. Right. Because as, as that gets higher, that can lead to decrements in semen quality. Exactly. So recommendations for men who are, you know, in infertility treatment, maybe to wear boxers instead right. of other types of underwear. Right. Wow. Uh, you mean Did you know that, Buzz? Did you? No, I didn't, but I, I could just imagine you walk into an IVF clinic and you meet with the doctor for the first time and his first question is, boxers or briefs? briefs? Yeah, right. You better say boxers. <laughs> we are talking with Professor Carrie Nobles of the University of Massachusetts, whose great work, uh, it really is fascinating, Carrie, and, and, and we're going to take a break for a few minutes and come back and talk about this grant uh, that has great promise. Um a grant from the NIH, uh, the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, to study infertility in the context of environmental factors like boxers or briefs. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Hi, I'm Missy Tatro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. And I'm Mortgage Originator Kimberly Gates. If you're looking to buy a home, now's the perfect time to save on your Greenfield Co-op mortgage. That's right. We can save you up to $1,000 on your mortgage closing costs. Don't miss the opportunity to receive a $750 closing credit plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you. Chat with one of our experienced mortgage originators at any of our Hampshire and Franklin County locations to get started. Or if you're ready, visit 
our new website at bestlocalbank.com and start your application online. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Kimberly Gates, or me, Missy Tatro, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by September 30th. Be a first-time mortgage customer or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $1,000 loan, subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the when you shop at River Valley Co-op, you get the best local and organic produce, a butcher shop, wine and cheese shop, fresh seafood, and hundreds of bulk herbs, spices, and more. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you create hundreds of union jobs and generate over $7 million in purchases from local farms and businesses. River Valley Co-op is your food hub, bringing you the best from around the valley and world while supporting your neighbors and local farmers. Shop River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton today. River Valley co-op martha graham mum and shants blind boys cherish the ladies peking acrobats ukraine philharmonic nikki and stomp all on their way to the umass fine arts center mum and shants in their 50th year cherish the ladies a celtic christmas the martha graham dance company with the lost graham masterwork canticle for innocent comedians snarky puppy unleashes their ferocious improvisation nikki shines a ray of pop sunshine and gina chavez blends the sound of the americas with tension and grace dance classical jazz theater plus performances you just can't categorize stomp arrives for three performances head-turning trumpeter sean jones leads his quartet on stage plus visits the umass high school jazz festival plan now for a season of uplifting arts performances go to the umass fine arts center website for the full calendar and tickets do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Downtown Sounds? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back immersed in a conversation that I admittedly know so little about. I'm uh, fortunately um, never had a, a, a problem that uh, caused me to learn much about this. We are uh, talking with Professor Carrie Nobles of the University of Massachusetts, uh, who has uh, been given a grant um, by the NIH to study environmental factors and male infertility. And we were just talking about everything from the ambient temperature, ambient air pollution, and other factors um, that might impact uh, uh, the quality of the sperm as quality is defined by epidemiologists like um, Carrie. Carrie, I, I wanted to ask you, I, I've got to harken back to uh, my adolescence and young adulthood when I knew a bunch of guys, uh, guys like me, mm -hmm. who smoked cigarettes, who, who, who drank brewskis, who um, uh, ate McDonald's. Um, sorry, McDonald's, but I got to put you in the category with, with beer and <laughs> cigarettes. But uh, did that impact the quality of our sperm and or semen? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So we talked earlier about, you know, that we've seen this decade, decades long decline in semen quality in a lot of places globally. And it's the debate about what's actually causing that. Um, so from, from studies that have tried to disentangle some of this, so they have found relationships between some of those factors and decreases in semen quality. So this includes smoking, um, this includes alcohol, um, more severe alcohol use. So not like a beer here and there, but more kind of like heavy usage. Um, but we also see associations between things like BMI as well um, with lower semen quality. So there seems to be some link between lifestyle factors that are also, you know, having important contributions. Although it also needs to be said too, for a lot of folks, so men and women who experience infertility, there's no clear cause like that. You know, a lot of it is kind of like 
you know, either unexplained or things that are really outside of an individual's control as well. Mm. Carrie, uh, this is Dan. Can you talk a little bit about the differences in the developed world versus the developing world? Yeah, so we, we had chatted about this a little bit before we went on air. I think it's a really interesting question. I don't know if I have the right answers for that. Um, so there's one thing where we just, we have a lot more information about the developed world. So we, we've measured this, I think, more consistently over time. It's differences in, in like what, who has access to resources and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, you and know, for, oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was just gonna add, I mean, from the research that I've seen coming out uh, about this topic and is basically that in the developing world, we see a very small reduction, if any at all, in the quality of semen uh, throughout, you know, since I, whenever they've been looking at this. And however, looking at the developed world, there is clearly a reduction, a significant mm -hmm. reduction. And they were talking about all the factors that you mentioned earlier. So I just find that interesting that there must be something in the current lifestyle that we're doing if it's all the things you talked about, buzz, smoking, eating, body mass, processed all this food, processed food, drinking too much, and all of that, that isn't happening in the developed world, uh, in the developing world, where they haven't seen this type of reduction, if they have seen some, you know? So I just, I'm sorry to globalize the conversation, but I think it'll be an interesting yeah. aspect to eventually look at. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great point. Um, and I think that's something too that we think about, it's like really kind of generating those those questions. And it's kind of figuring out how do we actually answer that? You know, because when we look at global trends like that, it's really hard to tease apart what those contributing factors are, but we can mm -hmm. speculate like you said. So yeah. what are differences we see in those exposures between the developed and the developing world? But then we actually have to go and figure out how can we test that yeah. in studies to be able to tease that apart. Tease and I think- yeah. Like you've pointed to, that's something like we're still on the cusp of really being able to figure out. And it's interesting in the United States, about 12% or so of couples um, are uh, seeking treatment for infertility. That's mm -hmm. a large percentage of yeah. couples. One in eight yeah. are seeking treatment. Yeah. Yeah, that's not to mention the ones that are having problems and not able to seek treatment because it's right. so expensive to right. do IVF. Yeah. What's yep. the average cost? Do you know? I'm um, sorry to put you on the spot here, Carrie. I think it, it varies quite a bit. I, I've seen like more like $15,000 okay. as an average cost, an average but it's going to depend on too, like whether or not like you can, you know, use it for as an embryo in a subsequent cycle. So exactly what goes into that cycle can make the cost vary and depending on where you live and, and services as well. But it's, it's very, very costly. Yeah. Carrie Nobles, before we... Uh, uh, leave this conversation, which I'm loving, by the way, and I'm so grateful to you for doing this work. Would you like to give a nod to your other colleagues who are involved in your study? Yeah, so um, on the grant, so we also have uh, Rick Pilsner, who was formerly an associate professor at UMass Amherst. He's now a full professor at Wayne State University. Um, so he has expertise in sperm epigenetics. So one factor we're going to look at is how um, gene expression changes for sperm. Um, also included is Laura Bowser, who used to, who formerly was in the Department of Epidemiology at UMass, now is at the University of Berkeley, uh, Berkeley in their biostatistics department. And then finally, Dr. Timothy Canty, um, who's a professor in atmospheric sciences at the University of Maryland. He'd be focusing on air quality and that sort of stuff? Yeah, so he's bringing that expertise in how do we actually measure air pollution exposure, which can be quite complicated. Mm. So my final question, how did a nice girl like you get involved in this topic? I think, you know, to me, it's it's a fascinating topic. Um, and really, I think one that we should talk more about, one that we definitely need to do more research in. So we know, thinking about reproduction, a lot of those processes are extremely susceptible to exposures like environmental chemicals and other factors and like that we experience in everyday life. Um, and particularly for men's fertility, this has really been an under-researched and under-emphasized area. So I think for me, that's really kind of the driving piece to be able to, what can we say more about this that might change policy and may also, you know, improve the care that we can provide? I think that's, it's so important and I'm so grateful that that work is being done. We all talk about climate and the adverse consequences of climate. Uh, we don't think about this as an adverse com consequence, but this hits a lot of people literally where it hurts. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I want to thank you. I wish you the best of luck, Carrie Nobles. 
um, with this uh, grant over the next three years. And uh, we're all very grateful that you're doing the work. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. We are, uh, it, it's time for Jackie Walsh. It's time for a playbill. And I think we're going to be talking about the Williamstown Theater Festival right after these messages. So stay with us. We got culture coming. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. Stay on the scene like a sex machine. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A Northampton man will remain in jail after pleading not guilty in the stabbing death of a woman on Sunday night. The two shared an apartment on Hatfield Street run by Dial Self Youth and Community Services. Broden is expected to reappear in court on August 10th and has been denied bail. A former Amherst man is now in custody in Maryland. Isaac Villalobos was indicted on multiple charges, including manslaughter, after the death of his infant son in 2019. The four-month-old died at the Amherst home after being administered a lethal dose of adult sleep medication. An arraignment in Hampshire Superior Court in Northampton will be scheduled when Villalobos is returned to Hampshire County. Legislative leaders in Massachusetts have announced plans for a $500 million tax relief package that includes increases in credits available for older residents, lower-income workers, as well as parents and those with dependents. The leaders, including Democratic Senate President Karen Spilka and Democratic House Speaker Ronald Mariano, say the proposal provides necessary economic relief, reduces income inequality, and makes Massachusetts more competitive nationally. The Hadley Town Select Board is moving forward with a water main replacement project along Route 9. Funding is available right away for the project thanks to ARPA money and lines from last year's and this year's water budget. Work will begin right away and will be rolled into the Route 9 expansion project. The water main is also included in the state's $3.5 billion forward legislation, which could eventually reimburse the town for the costs. Strong to severe thunderstorms possible after 2 p.m. Some storms producing localized flooding, gusty winds, and small hail. Humid with temperatures in the upper 80s. Storms should be gone by 8 p.m., setting up for a mostly sunny day on Wednesday with temperatures in the upper 80s. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New, New Bedford or Fall River. 1015, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Is there corn chowder today? There are things they only make certain times of year at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant. And with the corn so tall, there might be corn chowder today. There might be blueberry pie. The kitchen garden farm in Sunderland might arrive at Paul and Elizabeth's today with eggplant or zucchini. What'll they make with those? Eating at Paul and Elizabeth's isn't exactly like eating out of your own garden, but it's close. Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant inside Thorns in Northampton. Every day, financial ads claiming to be different from the competition. Are they? I'm Francis Rayum, the money doctor, and I'm about to make a bold statement. I believe the thing to focus on isn't their uniqueness, it's yours. No one has the same financial situation or needs as you, and no one can help us help you better than you. But the truth is, when it comes to managing money, most of us are not as successful as we'd like to be. No matter how focused we are, it's almost impossible to separate emotion, and being in a relationship can further compound the issue. That's why I developed Hug Your Money. Financial coaching, coupled with online software and tools to empower you to manage money wisely. We guide you every step of the way to resolve immediate issues and plan for your financial future with modeling scenarios. So whether it's debt, budget, retirement planning, or a financial crisis, having a Hug Coach in your corner is like having a new best financial friend. Hug Your Money is as unique as you are. In fact, it's patented. Visit HugYourMoney.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back. And for those who are just joining us, thank you for joining us. It is time. It is Tuesday at 436. So it is time for Playbill with Jackie Walsh. And uh, as usual, Jackie is bringing 
yet another component of our rich cultural uh, backdrop here in Western Massachusetts to, uh, to, to be introduced to us. So, Jackie, who do we have today? So we have a couple of actors from Williamstown Theater Festival. Before we introduce them, I just want to remind people about shows that are going on. We are right in the thick of things, the middle of the summer. Lots and lots of plays, especially in the Berkshires. So the Majestic in West Springfield founder Danny Eaton has written his own play, which is really cool. I think he's been doing this for like 20 years. He doesn't necessarily... Uh, produce his own place. This time it's his play. It's Betty and the Patch about a restaurant run by a woman and then her daughter comes in. It's about their relationship. Those plays are Wednesdays through Sundays and that is through July 24th. So mm. just a couple more weeks. Barrington Stage, which you may think is in Great Barrington, but it's in Pittsfield, which is not, it's only an hour away from here or less, has Anna in the Tropics, July 16th through 30th. It's the winner of the Pulitzer Prize, and it takes place in 1929. This handsome man comes to entertain the workers as they roll cigars, which I guess used to be a thing. So he's reading Anna Karenina, and soon the audience can see that the frustration, passion of Anna Karenina and the other characters in that book are sort of parallel to those of the workers. So that's at the Boyd Quinson stage. It's a big theater, 520 seats in Pittsfield. They have another smaller, much smaller stage, St. Germain stage, 132 seats. And there, ABCD is playing through the 23rd. It's about an underserved school on the verge of a shutdown and an elite magnet program, which is nearby. Um, what else is going on? We also have Berkshire Theater Group, which runs a couple theaters in the Berkshires. Still has once going through July 16th, which is a couple days from now. I highly recommend it. It's a play about um, a Czech woman and a Dublin guy, and it has so much music in it. There's about 12 musicians on stage with lots of interesting instruments. They serve Guinness at intermission. (laughs) (laughs) And parking, you can park right in front of the theater. It was great, and I hope people get to see that. They will also bring us songs for a new world at the smaller Unicorn um, Theater, which I think is in, I get Stockbridge and Lennox mixed up. I think it's in Stockbridge, July 26th through August 20th. It's a musical. They say it's a moving collection of songs which examine life, love, and the choices we make. This is kind of part of a new wave of theaters offering plays that sort of border on concerts. Mm. Um, We also have, well, I'll get back to that. Chester Theater, which is in just this teeny, teeny little town with a pizza parlor and a post office, probably a school, I'm not sure. But July 7th through 17th, that's Birds of North America, about, uh, I think, a mother and daughter um, team of bird watchers. And there, they if you have an EBT card, if you are on food stamps, you can go for $10 and bring a friend. So Yay. That, that Make is it accessible a to trend. people. If you're on WIC, you can do the same thing. That's great. Um, and then we have Williamstown Theater Festival, which has... Two things happening. One is Most Happy in Concert, July 13th through the 31st. That features songs from Frank Lester. I think you pronounce his name that way. Maybe not. The Most Happy Fella. And that is sort of in this new genre of sort of being a play but featuring lots and lots of music without being a musical. Also, Williamstown um, Theater Festival has Man of God, July 5th through July 22nd. It's a new uh, comedy thriller, and we are really happy to say that we have two actors from that show. They are Aaron Ray Lee, who plays Mimi, and Albert Park, who plays the pastor, and we'll learn about him in a minute. So I thought I'd start with Aaron. Are you there, Aaron? I am. Hi. And hi, Albert, as well. Oh. <laughs> so, Aaron, just give us a general gist of the plot of this show, Act of God. Yeah. So, with um, the plot of Man of God, it takes place in a hotel room um, in Thailand, Bangkok, Thailand. Four teenage girls are on this 
trip, this mission trip in Thailand, and they discover a video camera that has been secretly placed in their bathroom. That is, that is that is where the place starts. So mm-hmm. you can only imagine where it can go. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. your role is, you, you do not sound like a teenager, but is your role one of the teenagers? Yes. My okay. role is one of the teenagers. Um, I play Mimi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, are do the girl are the girls very different from each other? Do they have very different reactions to what's going on? Yes, that is the genius of this play is that each of the four girls have such different perspectives in the world mm-hmm. and navigate um, their lives very very differently. Some are extremely religious, and some like mine are not religious at all. So it's really um, you you're kind of putting four people who really do not like each other and share very different worldviews in one very contained space with this insane setting (laughs) of uh, a secret camera. So the dynamics on stage and the dynamics in that room are very, um, they're very electric. Wait, are you saying the entire set is a bathroom? The entire set is the hotel room. Okay, got it. That would be one big bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> one big bathroom, all four of us cuddled. <laughs> um, so I'm a little confused. So is this sort of like a uh, Christian camp activity, or are they from Thailand? No. So okay. these are young women who are um, from Southern California. Ah, okay. And- their kind of local church who that has organized um, a mission trip for them all to go on for the summer. Mm-hmm. So a mission trip is um, in Thailand. So the play wow. starts in the middle of their mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all four of the young girls are from Southern California. Um, three of them go to the same school, but they all sort of know each other from church activities. Right. And so... Yeah. Albert, tell us about this pastor. Is he just a straight-out villain um, because he sort of sounds like one, or is he more than that? Um, I'll let the audience decide that (laughs) one. uh, I I would like to, um, and this is a testament to Anna's writing, she really injects a lot of humanity within the character of pastor. um, and uh, he has actually a proper proper name, um, Donald Park, but uh, throughout the play he's referred to as Pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's kind of a stand-in for all men uh, in situations that have uh, positions of power, um, where there's a power imbalance and um, abuses it. And um, I would like to think that... Um, well, I, I don't want to give away the ending, but um, I would like to think that he's not an arch... He's not like this mustache-twirling arch-villain. <laughs> He's more human, which complicates the matter because, you know, he just looks like a normal dude. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, I would encourage uh, folks to come out and make um, their own um, verdict on that. We're, we're going to break in one minute, but, uh, Albert, I just wanted to ask you, was there a particular model for you, inspiration for you in how to mm-hmm. play this role? You know, there's a lot of people that we can point to right now in, in the public eye that are um, certainly not, uh, let's just call them unsavory, people that don't have a, that maybe have a moral, broken moral compass. Um, there's are certainly people that I've looked at in, in that way, but uh, no, it's just a concoction that I made up of different personal experiences and things like that. This is, it, it sounds really fascinating. By the way, I'd just like to tell listeners, um, I can't tell you how many times I've been to Williamstown Theater Festival, but I can tell you I've never been disappointed. I've always enjoyed what I've seen mm-hmm. there. So I'm very glad that Jackie's brought you two to talk about this fascinating little bathroom vignette that we've got going on here. We're going to take a break, and in three minutes we're going to be back. So stay with us to talk more about William, Williamstown Theater Festival's production. Be right back. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. 
What is the fight between white and Asian parents in public schools in Massachusetts and across the country, and how are the schools responding? Join us when we speak with Professor Natasha Waraku, whose new book is Race at the Top, Asian Americans and Whites in Pursuit of the American Dream in Suburban Schools. Professor Waraku will be our guest Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Get in on the conversation. Bill Newman. Weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information and the Arts. At PV Squared Solar, we live by our mission, energizing a brighter future for people and planet. This year, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. 20 years of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar. 20 years of relationships founded on trust and clean energy. 20 years of powerful cooperation. Thank you for the partnerships along the way, and we look forward to serving this community for 20 years more. Happy birthday, PV Squared! Learn more at pvsquared.coop. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees, for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. This Saturday, the Shea Theater and River Culture bringing you two spectacular free events. First, the Shea Away at Peskyumskit Park with local heroes Homebody and special guest Frank Hurricane this Saturday on Avenue A at 6 o'clock. And then at 8, Cinema Storm, our free monthly culty movie double feature. And this month's double feature is a doozy. From Zero to Hero, two movies about an unlikely hero. First, Big Trouble in Little China. Followed by Army of Darkness. All for free. The Shea from Away at Peskemskit Park at 6 with Homebody. And then Cinema Storm with Big Trouble in Little China and Army of Darkness at 8 o'clock at the Shea. ShayTheater.org. One five fourteen hundred and twelve forty WHMP News Information and the Arts. This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, and we are back with this week's WHMP Playbill with Jackie Walsh. And Jackie Walsh is uh, talking with a couple of actors. Um, from the Williamstown Theater Festival. Right. We have Aaron Ray Lee, who plays Mimi in Man of God, as well as Albert Park, who plays the pastor in the play. So I wanted, so um, we were talking before about uh, the main premise of the play, which is that these four girls from Southern California go with a pastor to Thailand and um, find that he has planted a camera in their bathroom. So um, I wanted to ask you, Aaron Rayleigh, do you, you know, we've, we've all seen the statistics about the percentage of women who have been sexually abused in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. So does this resonate, does this feel like a, a typical or at least not atypical thing that women uh, deal with in day-to-day life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Something about this play that is really brilliant is that this concept and this idea of the male gaze is represented by this video camera, right? And you have these four teenagers, these four girls who are like 15 or 16, and by that point, like, at that point in your life, you're starting to you're starting to come into your own and you're starting to like you're hitting puberty like your body is changing you know like for me when I was 16 I started to notice boys and I started to really care about how I looked and I started to really notice how other people responded to like what I would wear or how I would do my makeup or things like that right Mm -hmm. so you know you have these young women who are coming into their own and they're just starting to understand what womanhood is and what it could be for them when they're kind of hit with this experience of feeling very perceived, um, especially learning that it's the pastor who put it in there, right? Yeah. So I, I think this play is it, it's really relevant, and I think it will always be relevant, um, and that's why it's so genius. Um, and with this idea of the male gaze and, like, you know, the statistics of women 
who have been sexually assaulted. Like it's, it's a story that honestly, every single person I think can relate to. I think there's some sort of objectification for every single person out there. Um, And this isn't to invalidate the experiences of women at all, but I think as human beings, especially with social media and how often we document so many of our lives, like so much of our lives, like, you know, what, what images do we choose to put out there? Um, Like voluntarily in which images are out there of us that, you know, we don't necessarily want. Right. Right. Um, I guess, for example, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. Um, I, one of my friends had this experience where she was on vacation and she met someone and they um, were like, Oh my gosh, TikTok helped me find this person. And all of a sudden, you know, her Mm -hmm. social media was just blowing up. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and she was really, really uncomfortable because she did not want this. This wasn't, you know, she didn't consent to this and she felt very, you know, perceived by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a complicated um, dialogue, especially now with how accessible cameras are to us and Mm -hmm. how accessible um, social media is. Yeah. And how immediate you take the picture and then in, you know, 30 seconds, 30,000 people can see it. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to leave out men. Men are certainly the victims of sexual abuse as well. I wanted to ask, this is a... um, play with um, an all-Asian cast, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, I'll start with you, Albert. Um, yeah. How unusual is this to have a cast that's all the actors are Asian or Asian-American? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I think that right now we're in a landscape where there are a lot of burgeoning uh, new talents that are writing um, writing plays uh, that are fully cast with people who look like me. Mm-hmm. Um and that's only getting better and better as the years go on. But I think that those playwrights are always there. Uh, but it's really up to the decision makers, the people um, at the top of the food chain in theater world, uh, to give those shows light, you know. And um, I think people are learning uh, now that, uh, you know, because this is a business and um, people are deciding that, you know, there is a market for this. People are mm. clamoring. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Um, this show sold out before weeks before we got here, and they had to add uh, an extension week. So there is a hunger for our stories. Um, yes. So and they and our stories have always been there. Um, it's just now people are getting wise to it, and I think that's a great thing. Mm. And I wanted to ask about blind race blind casting. How uh, how common is that? Um, for Asian speci- actors. Yeah, you mean specifically, like, for example, I'm Korean-American playing a Korean-American character, but, like, other members of the cast not being Korean-American? Is that No, I guess thing? I mean um, uh, taking away the rule that if a play is written, I'll just say To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, mm-hmm. it's always been played by white Caucasian people, and then just mm-hmm. throwing that away. And, and one saying, black. The child. And oh, yes. The, and sometimes other, yeah, African-Americans. Right. But... Just throwing it away. That why can't the child be um, Asian or Latino? Um, you know, I feel like it's been done for decades in opera, and it seems to be happening more. Well, th- in this is Buzz. I just life. want to interrupt to say I remember when Ricardo Montalban played uh-huh. Asian people. It was yes. like they just got somebody uh, yeah. who was ethnically not oh, a Caucasian, uh-huh. yeah, to play um, anybody. It's a complex issue. You know, yeah. certainly there are um, historical. You know, it all. I think it all has to do with context and uh, what the what the intention is. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, yeah, p- problematic casting like that, you know, um, can't be done anymore like that. But um, if, for example, you have uh, um, you have, for example, we have in um, Minneapolis, I, I believe there's a, a stage reading of. Um, Death of a Salesman with an all-Asian cast um, that I just saw on Instagram. My friends were were participating in, and if there's a if there's a purpose to it, if there's an intent to tell it with that sort of through that lens, then I think it's that's laudable and um, a great thing to do. Yeah, and if I can add something as well, I think something that I've noticed as um, an actor recently is that there are more people who are 
conscious um, of who can tell what stories, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a role that is specifically, you know, for an African-American actor, right? That, and the context of that character and the context of that story is about the African-American experience. I'm seeing more and more people becoming more conscious of casting an African-American actor, right, mm-hmm. to play that role. Whereas, like, if there is a short the stories are all about human experiences, right? So this conversation about diversity and casting and having a diverse cast is like, no matter what our skin colors are, no matter what our ethnicities are, the human experience is still the same, right? So I think the consciousness of it is, and like Albert said, the intent behind it is really important. And whether or not, you know, the ethnicity and the race of the character is specific to what the story is trying to tell great well we are running out of time we've been talking to Aaron Ray Lee who plays Mimi in Man of God and Albert Park who is the pastor this is a play at Williamstown Theater Festival it is playing now through can you tell us the end date 22nd 22nd okay and um, thank you so much for, for joining us for a little bit. I just wanted to ask one. We have about 30 seconds uh, to answer this, either one of you. What do you want to say about uh, working with Williamstown Theater Festival? Oh, it's fantastic. I've, um, this is my first time working here. Um, I, you know, I'm from Southern California. I've never really left Southern California. So being in the East Coast for this extended amount of time is lovely the audiences are lovely um i'm having such a great time here and yeah ditto it's been really lovely it's been amazing warm and welcoming well we're really glad to have you jackie yeah. thank you so much for bringing this to our yeah, attention this it sounds fun. like a thank fascinating thank you so much play. and i'll try to um tell you i'm there when i come out <laughs> great thank you all right Okay, thank you both. And everybody else, join us tomorrow at 4 o'clock. President Max Richmond of the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare will talk about the new House-passed Elijah Cummings Lower Drug Costs Now Act and why that should result in cheaper prescription drugs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits. Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's polka carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. They can humane society. The only live and local talk in the valley and for the valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's five o'clock.